0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bow Nose Business. I am your girl, Nick. I am your host and the founder of the Bow Collective. We have 50 amazing women, Black women owners who have scaled each of their businesses to over $1 million, and they are going to share with you their stories, ups and downs of entrepreneurship and how they became a member of the Bo Collective, all right? Now, I will tell you all, I know I say this, you're like, Nick, everybody is your favorite. It's like, you know, but it's true like i have been wanting to interview this next sister for a long time twyla garrett is um is just uh she is an icon I don't believe that is an overstatement in the small business community uh, she has done a government sector private sector small biz large biz you you name it but what i love about her is her transparency she keeps it real not only when things are good when things are challenging she shares her experiences and the things that she has learned. And I know she will do it here with us today. So I want to welcome to the stage, Miss Twilight Garrett of- Thank the you, rock Nick. Services, girl, what's going on? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm great, girl. I listen, have I been a pleasant nuisance. I have been on you, girl. You have? Like, this has been like fourth hey. time. Twilight, Twyla, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's We're do it. Ready. We're <laughs> ready. Let's rock and roll. So. Um, Again, I told you a little bit before we started that um, it has, I look forward to my Wednesdays. I really look forward to it because, you know, we have started this organization so we can scale our businesses. And we always say, you know, we got to like, know, and trust each other in order to do business together. Learning everyone's story is just so fascinating to me. You know, what, how, you know, we... We really learn the most when we see that people did not wake up one day and you know just become. We just, just became, right? right? Exactly. So I want to know your story. I want to know, like, what, where were you born? You know, what, what were your circumstances? Tell us what you know. Little Twyla was like, <laughs> like childhood, not teenage, but Twyla. What? what uh, definitely a
1: totally different picture than today. Well. I'm from Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio is my hometown. Uh, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, Indians fans, Cavs fans will always be. Uh, My situation is a little unique. So I grew up with my mom for the first 14 years of my life and then uh, ended up with my dad. So um, from an abusive home uh, in, in the inner city, definitely inner city of Cleveland, my mom raised four of us. Before. I was one of the ones that... Um, the oldest or youngest? Where did you Well, I about? got one baby brother, seven years younger than me, and then I got an older sister and an older brother. And it was just a... You know, when they say mental health is real in the Black community, it is. And I think at that time, you know, we didn't talk about it. You didn't know what to talk about. And in my situation, I was in a very abusive household with my mom. So my mom was the actual perpetrator of a lot of the abuse and uh, ended up as a kid, not so good on the other side with men. Um, okay. I was molested as a kid and things of that nature. So a situation spawned out where my dad ended up getting custody of me. Okay. And he got custody of me at 14. And one of the things that I was told by my mom at the courthouse steps that I'll never forget. And it, it is my defining moment. Uh, and it actually has propelled me to where I'm at today is You know, my mom made these words to me that I will never amount to shit, period. She said, you will never amount to anything. You'll be broke, pregnant and on welfare. And Mm -hmm. I will never speak to you again. Mm -hmm. And she took that to her grave. She died in 2012. My mom lived up to every word she said, never spoke to me again. Um, And it just turned into one of those situations where I could have then took that negative. I ended Mm -hmm. up
0: with my dad, who I didn't know at all. So when I ended up going to my father, I I asked, was he um, in the same area? Did you have to go to it? He was
1: in Cleveland. He was in Cleveland. And uh, it's so weird because I wrote a book about it and I'll share it it with you. But uh, he was there. It was just turmoil with him and my mom where he never saw us. Mm -hmm. So a situation came up where he demanded to see us. We ended up seeing us. And then I ended up going over there one day. She wanted me back. It turned into a big argument Then turned into a legal battle. Police was called. I was separated. Lo and behold, my father got custody of me, not my baby brother, but of me. And um, that was what she echoed at the steps. I ran away a couple of times when I was with my dad because I wanted to. It's so weird how they say victims. I'm a victim of the violence, but I'm running right back to it. I wanted to go back to that violence because I didn't know anything different. And I didn't know this man. I'm like, Mm -hmm. who is this guy? So Mm -hmm. it's so weird because my father for the first from 14 to 26, I called him Melvin never uttered the words dad until 26 so but i have to say this my father had one rule he said you just got to go to church i didn't know god i had no idea what church was didn't have a clue so pretty much sundays was with his family and going to church didn't really get a lot out of it i was thinking but mm-hmm. it was putting and planting the seeds that, yeah it put the seeds in me that made me think But the one thing that my mom said that resonated, and, and for, you have to understand from 14 to about 23, I tried everything I possibly could to try to reconnect with my mom. Doors were shut. Gifts were brought back to doorsteps and left at doorsteps. Some um, Curtain blinds were pulled back to say, I'm here, but I'm not seeing you. I'm not opening the door. I knocked on the door a couple of times. Never would get a call or anything from my mom. So it came to the situation where I knew I had to let certain things go to be successful. I was in college and I remember everybody used to ask me, it was like, oh, well, where's your where's your parents? And yeah. why aren't they over up here? And, and nobody ever knew that or nobody ever asked the question because it was real sensitive. But my defining moment was not wanting to be that person. We grew up. In the inner city of Cleveland with a bunch of drugs, a bunch of rat races, people getting shot. I mean, it was never a pleasant moment. My mom did the best, though, and I give her that credit that she could as a Mm -hmm. single mom. But it was never somewhere that you want. And one of the biggest blessings that we had in Cleveland was the busing movement. We got a chance to get on a bus, right, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a little crazy. And they're going to take us to the white side of town. If you've never been to Cleveland, Cleveland is one of the most racially segmented towns. Ever. You got whites on one side, blacks on one side, Polish is one community, Italians in one community. I mean, it's very much segregated. So when we got on this bus, I always would sit by the window. And even to this day, every time I get on a plane or anything, I'm on a window seat because that defines something that I never saw before. When I got on that school bus, we went to the white side of town Well, they had grass, they had single homes, they had garages. And I always dreamed and said, one day I'm going to have that. Yes. You know, we don't have it now. We don't have the garage. We don't have the grass. We don't, I mean, in some areas, we you would you didn't come outside to play because you might get shot. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things where I ended up going to that tech community. And it was weird because it was one teacher that took notice, and that was uh, Kenny Genius. And he was my social study teacher. And he's like, kid, you, you're, you're gonna make it. I mean, but at my making it was just getting the hell out of high school and getting a job. And so I ended up doing what I needed to do. I graduated, moved in, and I I applied for multiple colleges. Got accepted. But the funny thing is, uh, at that time, one of the judges that worked with me in the juvenile home ended up Mm -hmm. becoming my mentor, and that was Stephanie Tubbs Jones. And then she became wow, wow, yeah, she's a Delta. Remember (laughs) one of the yeah, so Congresswoman Tubbs Jones was a judge at that time, and she stay with me through the course. I mean, she was like, oh, no, 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 kid. You're going to mm-hmm. do this. Oh, no, 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 kid. And so that whole story about having Stephanie in my corner was like unreal. I mean, people would say, you know, I would look up and she would be in the back of, yeah. of an event and I would look up and she and would you be, wouldn't even know. That no, no, right. no freaking idea. Yeah. And it was so funny because it came full circle. Um, I, I ended up applying to colleges and to me, I was going to take. Something I wanted to get the hell out of Cleveland, but I couldn't afford it. They didn't give me the full ride except for one school, and that school gave me. Um, I called Stephanie, and Stephanie was like, "Well, you taking this one?" Well, I took it. I had no idea that I accepted an all-girls Catholic college. I wasn't Catholic. I damn sure they want to be in an all-girls school. I was looking for the boys. I go to orientation with my father. Here comes a nun. i never seen a nun before. I've never seen a monk before. Like, who are these people in skirts? Yeah. Death, the men's wearing skirts. He was like, I don't know what's going on either. So we both ignorant to the fact That I'm now in an all-girl Catholic school. And I never forget, one of the sisters said, "Mm, we're going to have to work on you. You might not never make it out of here. That determination of people giving up on you. And one of the things that's been my biggest song to people is let the folks that tell you no be the swan song for you. Because the people who were giving up on me literally was my best motivators. And that's the name of my book. I wrote a book. And so I Um, want you guys to see it. It's called My Mother's Words, How the Most Negative Influence Was My Most Positive Motivator. And it was. Without my mother's words and that tenacity, I probably would have ended up staying in the streets, Mm -hmm. hanging out with people that I didn't want to be with, and not being in that environment. And so all the beatings, abuse, my mom stabbed me. She poked. I mean, you name it, we got it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, my biggest blessing was her. And everybody was like, "How did you love somebody to this? Someone? Well, I loved her because without her, I wouldn't be here. And, and God knows the journey. So God only gonna give you as much as you can handle, right? He puts people in front of you for a reason. Yes. And then after you've had them, then it's up to you. It ain't nobody else's fault about your journey but you. Mm-hmm. So until you start walking your own truth, I'm blessed to have my mom's tenacity. My mom was a hustler, and that that tenacity is in me. And my mom is was also very vocal, but she always used to say, "Don't there ain't no point in lying; just tell the truth." You know, mm-hmm. you might still get the same whooping, so you might as well tell the truth. Gotcha. You know, so that's, that's been my journey. I'm very direct and I'm very forthcoming, but I'm also I know where I came from, and that beginnings and those humble beginnings I will never ever take that away. Uh, I opened up my first business, literally, my first business at 16. So I went to my dad. And, um, of course, he was a man that worked for the post office. He worked at mid, 7 p.m. shift till 7 in the morning. So how does the court system put you with a person that ain't even there at night? Exactly. Right. So, you know, my hustle, oh, my mind start going to work. So I'm like, OK, well, math was one of the things that came easy to Twilight. I love numbers. Okay. So I went I saw this as the bus was rolling and I'm sitting by the window watching. It says training for our tax consultant. I said, okay, well, I'm going to go and apply. Well, I applied for the H&R Block Tax School. I was 16. I actually went through the school, passed the school at 16. And started doing
0: taxes. And so I had a little hustle. My father found the stash. Look, point of clarification, my friend. That is not a little hustle. That is a real career. It, it is, but it was my hustle, right? My dad thought I was
1: doing drugs. He found the money, Nick. He thought I was doing some drugs or something. He didn't call the
0: police. Like, he he's like, what the hell? People's deck on taxes. Can I just so I do not want to interrupt? I want to, I want to reflect first of all. Oh, and, and I and I want to bring this full circle because that that is your becoming story. You told a lot it of same things. But number one, I've heard different things from our different our our both sisters. And no matter where they got it from, whether it was from their parents, whether it was from a mentor, it was that someone believed in them. Absolutely, number absolutely. One,
1: the before same. you believed, before, before I believed you, in myself
0: someone yep. believed the other nugget is the tenacity all right tenacity hustle grind excellence it there that is something that was born within you and oh, yeah. cultivated whether it was by a negative or a positive but that somebody believed in you or now I'm hearing this too because that could be a motivator too. Maybe somebody didn't believe in you. Oh, but absolutely! That I, was my biggest motivator. The nose made me do know. the best. But guess what, though? It 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 had to be. We we will never diminish the fact that those weren't the only words. They might have come from a significant source. Correct. But. Right. Had that been the only narrative on Twilight, we might be somewhere else. But you had great influences with uh, Representative Tubbs, right? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. and and that that structure that she started being consistent with you and standing behind you, literally. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love
1: Stephanie. Stephanie Thanks. Stephanie was one of the biggest catalysts. And I'm so proud when I go home and I can now go down her street yeah. and see her Case Western Reserve building with her name honored on it. She has a, a station, an RTA station that I used to ride in is named after. Um, and she had left my club the night that she actually had the aneurysm and passed away, or I know she had a, and some brain issue And passed away, she had left something that I had established and opened it up with her. She was at my ribbon cutting to open that up and hold my hand. So I can say this, that for me, I thrive off of people telling me no. Yes. I thrive. I don't need a cheerleader because I'm my own cheerleader. own cheerleader. And you hear that? So I, I yes. don't need cheerleaders because see people yes. will cheer you on, yes. but they're sometimes they're cheering you on for a purpose and it's only for their like, self no. it's, it's always for a purpose. It's it's always for that purpose. I love the fact when you can be honest with me and say, Twila, this is something you will never do. Mm-hmm. I had the same thing happen to me in this business. I'm in mean, no, you can never pass this test. You can mm-hmm. never do this. Well, don't tell Twilight no because twyla is the person that's if i wanted i can go after it i'm fearless i am determined and i am actually in a point of being um persistent and you know and and i and i do that with no apologies i have no apologies about how i operate my life and how i've operated my company because i know at the end of the day it's the characteristics of my mom it's that hustle that she had i mean she did raise four of us up to 14 I, I mean, she was our only breadwinner, our only source. And she hustled and did what she There was many nights I saw my mother not eat because we had to eat. It was many nights I saw us sitting in a car because we're homeless because we can't get paid a rent. Um, there's many situations like that. But at the end of the day, my journey has turned out to be a blessing. So I don't tell when people say I don't ever say woe is me. I say, thank you, God. Yes. I thank you for the journey and I thank you for every single thing, positive and negative that has happened in my life. I would never
0: trade any of it. Well, um, you, what, you, what you are defining is entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Soul, right. Because I knew every, every, obstacle, gonna every obstacle that you faced um, in your youth. Is repurposed when you're an entrepreneur, right? A lot of no's, yes. a lot of of I have to I have to keep going even though something was thrown at me. So talk to me more, talk to me specifically now about that next chapter when you now, so I was gonna say your first business. So not your first business, not your not your My uh, third business. My me. third business right, was very successful. So I sold it. So, so that was a good one. What our, our Bow tribe is most um, fascinated with is the fact that we have scaled businesses over a million. I want to ask you to give me a specific anecdote. Let's let's do one anecdote about the first bec- best step in scaling your, uh, your previous business, all right? And then we can well, talk about how you've done it. I, I
1: think the very... But the- when you know you're ready to, when I know I'm ready to scale, it's because now I've actually segmented and saturated that market enough where I have the bandwidth and the capability and the financial wherewithal to take on something different and lose. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. scalability is tell that me, risk that you me might me lose. More about that. Tell scalability me. is all about the fact that now you got you have to take a risk. You might be first of all to get into a different segment and to scale. You're probably going to have to dig deep, either going to have to mine more opportunities in your own space. Right. Go a little deeper or you're going to diversify your portfolio and start going into another area. Well, to do that, it creates risk. And with risk comes reward and failure. So you've got to be able to understand what is your tolerance of failing and how much are you willing to say enough is enough.
0: I need to divert or retreat and start over. How do you know that? That that is. So important, Twyla, because you know, I, I've had a business, I've lost a business. Mm-hmm. And there were critical things where you know it was flourishing and it was opening. And then there was some times where you're like, all right, dude, you gotta cut your mm-hmm. lock. Well, I think a lot of that
1: has to do with the fact of what you're in. Your environment is gonna dictate a lot of that, right? True. So I think the mindset of an entrepreneur, at least for me, and I think that's helped me because even when the bad happens, I know it ain't that damn bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, I'm still open. I'm still here. Right. So or if it is the fact that I have to close, God closes a chapter for a reason and puts a period behind it and you move to the next one. I have more unsuccessful businesses than I have businesses, right? Mm-hmm. I've done more unsuccessful ones, but what the beauty of those things were, I took losses, but I knew how to get out. Yes. I knew when enough was enough. And I think a lot of us that are in the Bow Collective, we know our tolerance level. We know exactly how to get out when we have to get out. Yes. There's tough decisions. And I think a lot of times when you have employees it that becomes a family, right? And so mm-hmm. I know many businesses that have gone under because they thought about the employees and didn't think about themselves. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, sisters and fellow bow members and fellow entrepreneurs, you can't do nothing unless you, the lead, yeah. are still around. Yeah. So until you are healthy and your finances is healthy, then, and your business is healthy, scaling should not even be that option. When you scale, you got it's, it's shooting craps. You better be able to roll that dice and notice snake eyes is not going to come. And if it does, you're able to divert and retreat and start over. It's not a bad thing to retreat and start over. That's why you have measurable goals. You know, if those goals are being obtained, are they too lofty? I dream big, right? So that means there's a possibility I can fail big. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, there's a possibility that I can win big big, And I like my win versus my failure And if I do fail, then I learn from it, readjust my plan And come back to a win strategy So, you know, you have to learn how to be able to be that dynamic In the space of being an entrepreneur I learned that And let me tell you where I learned it from I didn't start my business right out of college I had businesses in college, right? Mm -hmm. But I went to the government I went into the federal government, I did about six and eight years and loved it. I had the, one of the best, one of the coolest jobs in the world, I, but it was great, right? But the one thing that the that, that government did for me, it gave me the rigor. It is so much bureaucracy and government and so much paper pushing and checking boxes and making sure things are in line that once I started my other company that did millions, we we were ready. you were ready. I mean, I knew how to respond. I knew the jargon. I I was comfortable. And then when I started to expand outside of that agency, I was still comfortable because it's about relationships, right? People know your story. Every entrepreneur has their own story, how they got there. What's fascinating is how they stay here, right? Because everybody wants to be a business owner, but some people can't stay the course of time. And I tell these people all the time, I don't have a hobby. This is my lifeblood. This is not something that I just woke up and say, I can do it today if I want, do it tomorrow if I want to or not come to work. No, this is what I have to do. So when you have that type of investment in it, you have to treat it like an investment. Yes. So everything around me has to be somewhat organized instruction. And, and I thank God for the government that helped me with that, because I wouldn't have been where I'm at today if I didn't have, I think, that rigor. And then having that arm, Stephanie was an amazing my dad begged me for years. We did very successful, very successful in the federal space. And my dad begged me for years to come back and do a give back project. And you know, i I, I refused to because Cleveland had so many negative memories, right? I mean, I got abused, raped, and all kind of craziness in Cleveland. And so, I wasn't in that space to wanting to come back. I had moved to Cali, kind of got my mind clear. My mom still wasn't nowhere to be found, and and so uh, and wanted nothing to do with me. And then keep in mind, it wasn't just her; it was my baby brother and my sister too. So I, only, I lost my family. My my older brother ran away and got reunited with me nine years later, but I lost kind of all the essence of what I knew. My fourteen years of a family, so it just took that to a whole nother level. I was able to get into business and focus and 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 put my head down and do yeah. it and then smile. Yeah, yeah, I had my tunnel. And it was kind of that great respite for me to just focus in on it. This was my baby. I didn't have kids. So all my companies became my baby. And, and yeah. then you treat them differently. And you got to know when to let them go. And you got to know when to send them off on their way. And, mm. and that's what I've been doing. And I've, I've enjoyed every minute of this ride.
0: Well, I... I love, I love you, sister. I love, you too. I love, I love. Um, I always, I, I don't even want to say underdog, but, but I do love underdogs. But I do love people that where the road is not paved, where the, mm-hmm. where the access is not clear, um, and I think you are going to give people so much inspiration because. Uh, there are no uh excuses for success, right no. there is no there's no nope. blueprint there's no memoranda and nope. and that's the inspiration is that you don't have to look like anything you don't have to have gone through. A, B, or C, especially in the world of entrepreneurship, anyone can do anything that you set your mind to. And I'm so proud of you. You've given us amazing stories. I want to pivot just a bit to okay. tell our, um, our audience how amazing you have been to our foundation of the boat. Oh, my I- sisters. I love my, oh my sister. Gosh. So, so tell us, number one, what about the Bo Collective? We got. I'm I'm going over a little bit. Let's let's do this about okay. two minutes. But tell me what was unique to you about the collective, and tell me, tell our audience what you do, what your position is within our organization.
1: Sure. Well, what's unique is that everybody looks like me. <laughs> and that is one of the best things to walk in a room and see 50 powerful black women dominating the environment and actually producing well over 270, 80 million in revenue. I think we're at 300 million this year is phenomenal from all different sectors. Right. So that a got me attractive because. I belong to several, several organizations, and I'm normally one of two, one of one, one, one of three, one of four um, that look like me. And then, you know, even though you look like me, you might not even be in my space. So now narrowing it down, out of the 50 sisters, I got about eight of them that do a little bit about what I do. And I love the fact now I got a listening ear. So when I talk bond issues and and pay apps and all my other crazy environment as being a builder and a developer now, I got some sisters that I can rely on, and that didn't happen in some of these other organizations. They didn't look like me. And here's the thing. We all share the same challenge. I thought I was being discriminated against at a bank. Well, they all of them was, too. And it was like, wait a minute. Now, you can't tell me that all of us got bad credit and all of us got issues. Come <laughs> on, bank. You got the only common denominator in this craziness is that we're black and that we're women. So... I, I find it very fascinating how Bo is going to actually be able to pave a way that now the BS and the lies that we've been told as business owners for the last 20, 30 years is going to come to light. The truth comes to light, right? And it's now going to come to light because if we all got our stuff together, we're putting in a quarter of a billion dollars into the ecosystem. How the hell we don't have lines of credit? How we don't have banks? How don't, How come the bankers don't know our name, but they know Sam who got a little brewery down the street that's blue eyed and blonde haired. So we got problems that we need to address. And I'm glad now as a collective, we can do such. My position here with the bow, and I'm I'm honored that you asked, is I'm one of the co-chairs for contracts, connections, and opportunities. And it's being able to connect are both sisters within eternal, internally and then externally, mm-hmm. and then also be able to scale both on the private and the public sector side. So that's my goal. Uh, that's our role. We have a great, amazing group. I co-share this with Michelle Turner and Laquan, and we make sure that our ladies are heard and that we can get them in the space that they want. And wow. now, it's Michelle Taylor. Taylor, no, no, yes.
0: you got it. Yes, she, I interviewed her a couple of weeks Yeah, ago. I saw it, it was great.
1: Wasn't I saw her crazy? story, it was amazing.
0: I, it, you know, th- that is my, uh, I have lots of goals. I, I dream big too, sister. And one there of my go. goals is for you all to be seen as the superstars that you are to tell these stories. Um, I often say we are kind of positioned as uh, unicorns, yeah i don't think we are i think that there are more of us out there they yeah, just know. tell our stories and yes. so we are going to tell our own stories and we're going to make sure everyone knows not only how we got there but we're going to pull some people along as well
1: we have to we have to and that's what it's all about my whole goal all my businesses the premises i specialize on second chancers, ex-offender homeless We bring them alive because I know I was in that position. I know what it feels like to be on welfare. I was on it. I know how to. I I remember trying to cash a food stamp uh, card in college at one of these elite college preparatory grocery stores, and they calling me out on the mic saying we got a welfare recipient online too. So I believe that it's our goal to reach back, pull back, and throw some other ladies up into the stage and make sure that they can perform as well.
0: Well, we're going to do it together. I'm so happy to have you not only thank you, Nick, here for the today, opportunity. but thank you, honey. Thank you thank for you, all. Thank you for not only surviving, thriving, and blessing us all with your knowledge and your sisterhood. I well, really thank
1: you. It. And it's not over yet. Wait, till t- I'm just, right. getting
0: started, so just getting started. So let's
1: get, it, let's get it going.
0: All right, girl. All right. So Take much. care. All righty. Guys, that does it for another. Oh, my God another amazing episode. These women are dynamic. Share these stories. If you like us, tell us follow Twyla. I forgot to, oh my gracious, I forgot to have her tell us how we can follow her. I'm sure you guys have so many great questions for her, but look for us on our website. Her information is there. Um, This is, like she said, truly fascinating. We're just getting started telling these amazing stories and sharing with you how to scale your business. Take care.